sharing with you a few uh, things from the book of Nehemiah. And we're going to be writing chapter 8 of the book of Nehemiah. Um, uh, to me, this book is very special. As a kid, I used to read my Bible, the whole Bible, every year. And I did it to uh, get a prize from, you know, uh, from the young people. So every year, they will uh, reward those that read the most uh, passage of the Bible. So I made it. Uh, and, and desire to, to do that. So I read the Bible every year. So if you excuse me for a second, I'm just going to switch this earpiece real quick and grab the handheld mic. But you, I also, you can hear me without any problem, right? Yeah, this one is on. Thank you, Jesus. Amen? Amen. So I'm going to give you a little bit of background on the book of Nehemiah. Um, when we read Nehemiah, we see that Nehemiah served in Babylon. And as a servant in Babylon, it shows clearly that Nehemiah never forsook, forsook where his root were from. He always had a heart for God, but also for God's people. As he, as he was serving the king in Babylon, we can see clearly that he had a position that he could have felt quite comfortable and not have a desire at all to go back to Jerusalem and deal with all the mess that was going on back then. But he couldn't do that. He loved God, but he also loved his people. When we study this movement of God people returning to the land, we should keep in mind that it wasn't the same thing at this time that when they were taken over there to Babylon. For about 70 years, they were taking over the land, and a lot of the Jewish people that went into Babylon, they no longer practiced the Jewish uh, rituals. They, they became, you know, more secular in their mindset. They became more, you know, in tune with the Babylonian. A lot of them became businessmen and business people, and, and they went, uh, a lot, um, some scholars said the, pe- the Jewish people were taken to Babylon as a farmer, but they came, they came back home as merchants and businessmen, so they had a different mindset, and you see all those issues in the first few chapters of the book of Nehemiah, how he has to work with the people and help them out to realize that, hey, we are not like the other nation. We are the people of God, and we cannot oppress our own people. We have to take care of them. So, and as you see this, you will see the, 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 the work that is developed to reveal the, words, the, the walls. So the walls were broken down, and they were easy prey of their, of their, their surrounding, their enemies. And they had quite a few, including in the inner circle, they have enemies. And they had to work with them. And you see, they finished the walls. Prior to that, Ezra finished the temple. But there's one thing lacking, I will say. You know, they have finished building the physical walls, the physical temple, but they needed to build the spiritual lives of the people. They needed to work on that. And this is exactly what you see in the following chapter. When they return to Jerusalem, their numbers are few. They had to build a temple that wasn't nothing like the first temple. As a matter of fact, they cry out when they saw the foundation being poured out. They say, oh my goodness, this is nothing like it used to be. But the young generation that came back, 
they never saw the old temple, so they were happy to see that something was being laid out to honor the Lord, their, their, their Savior. And they rejoice on that. The second thing that we see in this passage is that as they lay the foundation, there was a remembrance, you know, that the Shekinah or the glory of the Lord had departed from them. So the old generation cried out, missing that experience that they had with Christ, with the Lord before. Here, what we see in chapter 8 is a people that is hungry for God's word. Hungry after God's word. When I think about the situation in the book of Nehemiah, it's not much different than what we see today. I believe there is a hunger for God's word, but there is too much entertainment going on in church. There's too much agenda. There's too much programming. There's too much of the secular that coming out into the church trying to supply the need of the word of God. And let me tell you, the music won't do it. The, the, the jumping won't do it. The, the, you know, the, the, the picnic won't do it. The social part won't do it. The only thing that will satisfy the heart or the hunger of the people is God's word. Are you there with me? That's the only thing. God's word. So... You can title this message, Hungry, Hunger, Hunger After God, or you can title this message, Back to the Basic. I read the passage. When the seventh month came and the Israelites had settled in their home, in their towns, all the people assembled as one man in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra the scribe to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women, and all who were able to understand. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon at his face, the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, the women, and others who could understand, and all the people listening attentively to the book of the law. And this passage is beautiful. So they just finished uh, rebuilding the broken walls, the physical broken walls. They just finished the temple a year later. But now the people are crying out for God to do something else. They want to hear the word of God. And they came to Ezra. And the, the, the interesting part about Ezra, Ezra is not only the, a scribe of the law, he also is a teacher trained for that. And if you look at Ezra chapter 7, verse 10, it tells you that he sat his heart in learning the law and teaching it. So he had a heart to do that. 
for God's people. And in this occasion, this seventh month is critical for the people of Israel because the seventh month was known as the month of festival. There were three feasts that were celebrated during this month. The first feast was the feast of trumpets. During this day, they will blow trumpets all day long, commemorating, hey, the harvest time is done. So we are moving now into a sacred season. Right after this feast, a few days later, they will have the Day of Atonement. The high priest will go into the Holy of Holies, and he will present sacrifice for the sins of his people. And we know that even though these are mentioned in the Bible, this has a more profound meaning because this represents what Christ will be doing later for us, hallelujah, when he comes for his people. And the third festival that that was the product of this gathering is the Feast of the Tabernacle, which is a remembrance of the people and their journey out of Egypt, these 40 years where God was so faithful and so good to them. But all started by hearing, once again, the word of the Lord. All went back to the word of the Lord. Ezra had no intention except in teaching what God has given to him. His skill, his profession was all based to be used for his glory. The people were hungry. Ezra didn't have no story tell to tell except the book of the law. When we read the book of the law, most likely they were reading from the book of Deuteronomy. And the book of Deuteronomy told them what kind of people they were. What kind of God they serve? What were the expectations of this God? You know, what were the consequences of them, uh, for them to forsake this God, this law? They approached as one and asked for the book of the law of Moses. Let me tell you, when people approach you, what do you have to offer? An Advil, a Tylenol, a good story? A good book to make you feel better? What do we have? See, Ezra could have done that. I said, go get a goat and go into the temple or a ram and sacrifice it to the Lord. And don't worry about the rest. He knew the law. And he knew that the only thing that could change the people's hearts was God's word. We live in very difficult times right now. The way that our society is moving away from the word of the Lord is just incredible. They are trying to remove every piece of history that we have. They are trying to remove our God from every part of government, and they have done a really good job. And not only that, we have people that are migrating and infiltrating in the government with the sole purpose of removing God's principles away. Our children in the public school system today, what are they receiving? I mean, it's just incredible. This shows us that we need to go back to the basic. We need to hunger after God's word. Amen? We need to hunger that. One of the things that we can notice, Ezra gets the book in verse 2. And he's reading the book 
for quite some time. From daybreak to noontime, about six hours. We go to church sometime for 30 minutes and we're ready to go home. But if the word of God is going to take effect in our hearts, we need to spend time in it. We need to understand it. What are the results that we see in this passage that when you read chapter 8, you will see three things that happen in this passage. The first thing is that the people understood the word of the Lord. Because they read it and they explained it. And their hearts were open to receive it. Sometimes we say, well, I don't understand that, so what do you mean by that? So that's what, you know, that's what the church should be doing, explaining the word to the people. It's not just the Greek or the Hebrew. It's bringing the word to the people in a language that they can understand. Amen? They can understand and they can digest and they can see God through it. The second thing that we happen that 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 happened in this passage is that not only they understood the word, but they also rejoice in the word of God. They rejoice. It's very sad for me when I see people neglecting the presentation of God's word. We have preachers today, I know for a fact, that they will pay somebody to do research and find what the people need. So they do an outside research instead of going to the Word of God. And they fix their agenda, and this is our topic that we're going to talk this year. They're not so concerned about what God is saying. They're concerned about the presentation in order to keep the people happy in the church. Any joy that this world can offer, it will be temporary. But the joy, oh God, is unspeakable. Hallelujah. And it will last forever. The sister read in Philippians, Rejoice on the Lord, I say, rejoice. And when Paul writes that letter to the Philippians, Paul found himself in no such a good place. He was writing from jail. I worked in the legal system for a little while. And I never read a happy letter. I never read a happy letter. The letter always complained about the defense attorney. The letter always complained about how the police did the work. The letter always complained about how unjust was the judge or the prosecutor. But Paul finds himself in jail because of the, for the sake of the word of God. And he has the, the audacity, you know, the audacity to write to the people and say, rejoice. And you will see that the topic of rejoicing or being happy in Philippians is very strong. And the reason why is because Paul has the word of the Lord in his heart. And when you are going through difficult times, you know God is in control. And you can rest at peace. Amen. The third thing that you will find in this passage that happened is that the people obey the word. So they understood it, they rejoice, and they obey it. This is a, a challenge for us as believers believer today. 
We want to please our flesh desires, and we want to please our God. We can't. We had to choose one master. See, the people understood that the reason why they were taken to captivity was because of their disobedience. The people understood that, that all the oppression that they were having of their enemies was because they are torn away from God. The people understood that the temple was destroyed because they disobeyed God. The people understood that if they wanted to be safe, they needed to turn to, back to the basic, to the word of God. Obeying God's word must be a priority for each one of us. We might not agree with it. We might not like it, but I'm telling you, it's worthwhile. And it will be good for you. As a kid, I told you that I had a dream to come to the U.S. And I dreamed on coming here. And I had a lot of uh, promises from friends. I work with different groups, missionary groups, both from U.S. and Puerto Rico and some other places will come. They will make promises. And I said, when will be that time? Well, God opened the door for me to come here. And I'm blessed to be able to, come, to, be able to go in and out. But my heart, for some reason, has never been settled in here. Never. And my friend always said, that's because, you know, you have a call to do mission in your heart. So I remember working in Cleveland, Tennessee. I came back to Charlottesville, and the family that I was living with, they had planted Hispanic church, and they said, well, we pray about it, and we believe that you should stay here and pastor the Hispanic church because we're moving to South America. They were in the DR for eight years, came to Charlottesville for seven years, and they were being living again to go. And I said, let me pray about it. And three days later, I said, I'm going to Peru with you guys, too. And they said, you got to be out of your mind. I said, no, I want to go back. I want to go to Peru with you. And I moved away with them. And I remember when we got to Peru, we were in the outskirts of Lima. I'm not sure if you know a little bit about Lima or Peru, but Peru has a lot of desert. As a matter of fact, Lima was built in the desert. It hardly rained in Lima. When it rains, there's flooding on the street. It doesn't rain hard. It's only drizzle. You will never hear thunder in Lima. If you hear thunder, the people think that the sky is falling apart. I'm serious about that. It was built in the desert. Today, Lima has about 13 million people. And we were not in the good part of the city. We were in the outside of, uh, of the city. And I'm telling you, when we got there, uh, summertime is only three months out of the year, the end of December to the beginning of March, and the rest of the year is quite, you know, it's not very cold, but because they, uh, there's, there's some humidity, can feel quite cold the rest of the year. And my friend and I said, what have we done, Noel? It's desert everywhere, lots of dust everywhere. The traffic is a mess. And I said, I don't know, bro. You know, I said, maybe I need to go back again. But as the time went by, and we settled down, and we opened the Bible Institute, and the people started coming. We started traveling to different parts of the country, and we saw the need that the people had for the Word of God. 
And we couldn't deny the fact that we got there because of God's mercy. And we couldn't deny the, the fact that we were there because it was God's timing for us to be in the field and to work with the Peruvian people. And I will not trade that experience for anything. But it all goes back to the basic when you hunger after God's word. Do you know what is your calling in your life? Do you understand that a lot of the things that are happening is because Satan doesn't want you to get into the book and understand God's plans for you? Don't you know that we have a spiritual battle and can only be understood in the light of his word? The people were hungry. And when they heard the word, their life was changed. There was rejoice. There was obedience. And things started to change. Do we want change in our hearts? Do we want change in our family? Do we want change in our community? Do we want change in our church? We must go back to the basic, the word of the Lord. Amen? Please stand up. Again, I want to thank you so much for having me here with you this morning. It is a blessing uh, to be here. And I thank you for Amen? Let's bow our head and pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. I am honored, O oh God, to be able to come before these wonderful people. We believe that each one of us is watched by your blood. And I believe, O oh Lord, that it's only because of your mercy that we're here. As we face trials and tribulations, as we face temptations, as we have to deal with difficult co-workers, oh God, help us to always go back to your word. Help us to desire to understand the message. Help us to have a heart to rejoice, oh God, and help us to be obedient. I pray that your word will come alive in our hearts. And if for some reason we are neglecting it, I pray that our hearts will, we, will be quickened so that we can go back to it. I ask you in the mighty name of Jesus, name that is above all name, amen and amen. Thank you. Hallelujah.